brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, Buzz Killers. It's the old professor here with your mini myth for the week. It's Halloween week, and I've got a great couple of myths to bust for you about Halloween. Think about that horror movie, Halloween 2. Early in that movie, a kid's shown being admitted to a hospital emergency room, razor blade stuck in his gums. It's gruesome, and it reminds us of all the warnings we heard about sickos putting sharp objects into Halloween candy. The third installment of the Halloween franchise, cleverly named Halloween 3, includes references to Samhain, quote, the Celtic god of the dead, as the demonic originator of modern Halloween. Now, this chimes in with stories told with glee by neo-Goths on the one hand and with condemnation by hardcore Christians on the other hand. Both of these stories, buzzkillers, Dangerous Candy and Celtic Demons, have only tenuous connections to the truth. But buzzkilling them teaches us a great deal about the history of Halloween and about why urban legends spread. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for these urban legends and the historical urban legends. Now, you know what's going to happen this week, buzzkillers. The internet's going to be full of, quote, five myths about Halloween clickbait posts. But only the old professor can give you something worth thinking about. So let's start with the origin myths. Pre-Christian Europeans are both credited and condemned for creating Halloween. Shallow, prejudiced interpretations of Celtic stories from Ireland and Britain 
generally take the following form. Halloween was a pre-Christian, that is, pagan, celebration of Samhain, the Celtic god of the dead. Samhain's followers, or devil worshippers, would practice, you know, a sort of door-to-door terrorism, demanding food for their god and killing people who didn't oblige. Sometimes druids are involved, depending on who, what, where you get the story from, and sometimes pumpkins or turnips were used to mark the houses that had already been trick-or-treated in this demonic way. Radical fundamentalist Christians like Jack Chick and David Brown have pushed these stories and added the idea that proto-Christians were the ones who were terrorized and killed. You know what I'm going to say, buzzkillers. These tales have no real historical basis and they completely leave out the fact that modern Halloween is a blend of pre-Christian, Celtic, and early Christian practices, and that none of those practices involve devils. First of all, Samhain was not the Celtic god of the dead. Samhain was was the word for a season, a Celtic season, which is basically autumn. It was also used as the name for a Celtic festival in late October, early November that marked the end of summer, the end of the harvest. So it's a period of time, not a god of the dead. It was a time also when fairies and spirits could come back into the human world and the souls of the dead could come back and visit their homes. And food was left out for them. Food being left out, this was the start of that kind of tradition. Christianity arrived in Britain and Ireland in in the 400s and 500s and started to take hold. People started to convert, and it started to influence these Samhain traditions. Now, how did this happen? By the early 700s, many churches in Ireland and in Britain started observing All Hallows' Day on November 1st. Now, that was a celebration of the departed saints, the, quote, hallowed, right? Most scholars believe that Samhain traditions and practices were more or less seamlessly woven into the All Hallows' Day observances. Now, this this transition, this sort of blending of of holidays, blending of of, of practices, this took place over a number of decades. In fact, it took place over centuries. And the two holidays almost certainly merged together easily over time because people were converting to Christianity. Over the next thousand years, All Hallows' Eve— that's the day before All Hallows' Day, started to be celebrated. And it was celebrated in lots of different ways. These celebrations sometimes involved representing and praying for departed souls, especially those who were in purgatory waiting to get to heaven. Sometimes people dressed up in various guises representing these departed souls. They went from house to house. They asked for food for their journey from purgatory to heaven. But remember, These were representations of departed Christian souls, not representations of demons or devils from hell. So the idea that Halloween started as a demonic holiday, either as a pre-Christian Celtic demonic holiday or as an early Christian demonic holiday, that idea is just nuts. Now, of course, as the centuries rolled on, Halloween changed and developed like everything else does over, over time. Let's jump ahead to the Protestant Reformation. In the 1500s, many early Protestants stripped Halloween of what they saw as overly Catholic, overly popish doctrines, such as the idea of purgatory. 
right? Other Protestants created their own version of purgatory. Some of them called it Hades. Some of them called it the intermediate state. Some of them called it the bosom of Abraham. And they kept that, that sort of traditional Halloween practice of, of people going from door to door asking for food for the trip from purgatory to heaven. Only a tiny sliver of Protestant groups argued that the souls of Halloween were, were evil spirits. And, but there were so few of these folks that they were just more or less ignored. Just as Halloween had developed in all sorts of ways in the previous centuries, since the Reformation, Halloween customs were modified over, the, over those centuries, and they included new things like pranks and tricks and other stuff that went along with wearing of masks, right? Now, like all holidays, Halloween, since the 1700s, if you will, has had its ups and downs in popularity and went in and out of fashion over these centuries. But by the 20th century, it took its relatively secular form that we know today and became mostly a holiday for children. Now, buzz killers, cut to the late 20th century, and suddenly those very children were under threat during Halloween when they were trick-or-treating. Stories spread across the United States that psychopaths were sticking pins and razor blades into Halloween candy. Children were being maimed after biting into these booby trap treats. Hospitals offered to x-ray bags of Halloween candy. Parents cut up the treats looking for pins and razors. There were even stories of candy being poisoned, chemically poisoned. But again, you know what I'm going to say. Like all the myths we study at the Buzzkill Institute, these stories almost never have a basis in fact. Actual cases of candy tampering are extremely rare, almost to the point of statistical insignificance, given how many millions of people hand out Halloween candy every year. But back in 1959, a California dentist gave out candy-coated laxatives to children. Now stop giggling. This is what he did. But he was caught and he was convicted of endangering children and dispensing drugs illegally. No, no children were seriously harmed. In 1964, a New York woman gave out inedible objects to children she thought were too old to trick-or-treat. Now, I remember doing this. I, I went on trick-or-treating when I was 16 because I was an idiot and a couple of friends of mine I thought it would be funny. But anyway, the things that she gave were, were the things that she gave out were like steel wool, dog biscuits. So no one was stupid enough to eat them. But she too was convicted of endangering children. Since then, the only case of a child dying from eating adulterated Halloween candy was the tragic story of a Texas boy whose own father poisoned one of his pixie sticks. The father wanted to collect on the boy's life insurance, and so he poisoned his own son's candy. And he gave out other poison pixie sticks to other kids during the trick-or-treating to, you know, kind of spread out the, the th uh, spread out the crime, if you will, and, and make it look like there was some sicko doing this. But the other kids didn't consume the pixie sticks. No one else was hurt except this one poor boy. So what I'm trying to tell you, Buzzkillers, is that the only child who's ever died from adulterated Halloween candy was killed by a family member not by a stranger. These two big evil myths, the pre-Christian demons and the modern candy tampering, have become pervasive in American culture. Many fundamentalist Christians refuse to observe Halloween because they think it's satanic. Satanic buzzkillers. 
has nothing to do, had nothing, never had anything to do with Satan. It always had to do with departed Christian souls. But it doesn't matter how much, you, how often you say that, or how often you prove it, they still believe it. And of course, nowadays, some parents go to extremes in examining their children's trick or treat candy. Buzz killers both miss spread across the country for the same basic reasons. It only takes a few tweaks of ancient Celtic stories to make them sound demonic and essentially anti-Christian. Departed souls is easily changed to demonic souls. And the word pagan, for goodness sake, has long been misinterpreted as anti-Christian rather than pre-Christian. Similarly, candy tampering is an easily spread myth. It chimes in, as I said before, with this paranoia about psychos and perverts around every corner. And like other urban legends, the stories are always vague, they're always anecdotal, and they always take place in another town, the next town over, the next neighborhood over. No one ever has stories about something happening either to them or to someone they directly know. Like every other urban legend, the candy tampering story falls apart under serious investigation. So chill out, buzz killers. Enjoy Halloween. Secure in the knowledge that you're not a demonic paganist threatening the foundations of Christianity and that you can revert to your Snickers-binging childhood razor-blade-free. Talk to you next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.